Amen. That brings back some memories. Amen. All right. So glad you're here. Psalm 128. Psalm 128. This morning, Psalm 128, I want to talk to the dads today. Beginning with verse 1, God's word says this. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for our fathers. Lord, we need more godly fathers in our nation, in our world. I just pray, Lord, that you take this message and that you'll anoint it, that you'll use it. May it not fall on deaf ears. May it bring glory and honor to you. Lord, I need you today. If, if uh, anything significant is going to happen in this place, it'll be because of you, not because of me. And so I, I pray that you meet with us. I pray that you speak to us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Say, Pastor, I'm a, I'm a father today. What's my number one responsibility? Your number one responsibility as, as a father, if you have children, your number one responsibility as the leader of your home, as the father to your children, is to see to it that your children have a relationship with God. That's, that's your number one responsibility. You say, well, I, I, man, I got all this going on. Yeah, hey, there's a lot to go with that. But, but, uh, but above it all, your number one responsibility is to see to it that they have a relationship with God. You say, well, pastor, there, there's no guarantee. I can do all these things right and tell everything, do everything you tell me to do. I do everything the Bible. T-. There's no guarantee that my children are going to grow up to be a pastor. There's no guarantee that they're going to grow up to be missionaries. There's no guarantee that they're going to grow up, uh, get involved in the church. There's no guarantee that they're going to live a Christian life. Of course there's not. Of course there's not. But we don't, we don't let those guarantees or lack thereof keep us from doing other things, do we? From, from taking them down other endeavors in hopes that they will be this. or We don't allow those lack of statistics or guarantees to keep us from doing it. Get this. Your child, just in case you didn't know, just in case you didn't know, your child has a 0.9% chance of getting a D1 scholarship. Just in case you didn't know. Your child has a 0.03% chance of making it to the NBA. Just in case you didn't know, your child has a 0.08% chance of making it to the NFL. Just in case you're unaware of it, your child has a 0.05% chance of making it to baseball professionally. 
to play soccer professionally, your child has a 0.09% chance of doing that. Your child has a 0.02% chance of making it to Hollywood. Just in case you're unaware, your child has a 0.07% chance of making it to Nashville and singing. But if a household has a godly father within its household, the child has a 75% chance of being a Christian. Isn't it amazing? Those statistics, hey, the chances aren't that good, but it's amazing the effort and the sacrifice that we make just in in case so-and-so makes it here. You never know. They could make it there. Yeah, they could. But has it ever occurred to you? They could follow God and fulfill their purpose and do something magnificent for the glory of his kingdom. How about that? Now, I'm by no means an expert on fatherhood. But I do know that the Bible is clear on the role of a man as a father and as a leader. And according to our scripture, there's five things that I want to share with you. I'd call it five ways to win as a dad. Five things. Now, now let me say this before we, we move forward. Philippians 4.13, it says, we can do all things through what? Through Christ who gives us strength. Now, the older I get, the more uh, that I get to know the Lord, the more confident and faithful I become in my relationship with God. Here's one thing that I've realized. It, most of the time in my life, it's not that I can't do it. Because many times that's what we say, uh, that, that's, what we, uh, that's our excuse. Well, I'm just not sure that I can do this or do that. And, uh, guys, listen to me. You can be a great dad. You can be a great husband. You can be a great leader. You can be a great overcomer. You can be an awesome man of God. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. So the strength has been given to us to do what God wants us to do. It can be done. But usually the question, the main question is this. Not can I do it, but will I do it? Not can I. Not is God going to give me the strength to do it. Not is God going to give me the ability to do it. Usually it has to do with do I really want to go that far? Do I really want to sacrifice that much. Do I really care enough to do it? So here we go. Five things. The first one is I want you to see the character that he lives. I'm talking about dads here. The character that he lives. It's in first verse 1. It says, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to Him. Now this fear the Lord thing, man, can be very difficult for us as guys. Amen? Because we don't fear, or at least we don't like to uh, announce or for it to appear that we fear anything, right? We don't want to fear anything. We are, we're very hard-headed. We want, to, we want to appear to be strong and like we have it all together. And so we, we, we don't want to appear that we fear anything. Character is what we are in the dark when no one is looking. 
D.L. Moody, he said this, Our children do as we say until they're 15, and then after that they do as we do. As I said, statistics tells us that when a father is active, is an active believer in the home, they have a 75% chance of, of becoming a Christian. The child does. You say, well, what about, what about the mother? What about if the mother's a Christian? They got a 15% chance of being a Christian if the mother's the only Christian in the home. Hey, thank God for mothers. Most churches wouldn't function if it wasn't for good godly women. But I'm telling you, the Bible knows what it's talking about. God knows what he's talking about when he says that that the father is to be the leader of the home. There's just something about the father leading the way spiritually in the home. It goes from 15% to 75%. There's the character that he lives. Man, I've often thought, uh, and Satan is, he is all, he has unleashed a war against dads in our country. And I got to, I was at a conference this weekend and I heard a story about Alexander the Great that I'd never heard before. I'd never heard before. And Alexander the Great, as you know, is the, considered the greatest uh, warrior or military general in the history of the world. He had conquered the entire known world at one time by himself. I mean, he was just a tremendous general of men. And story has it, one of, the, one of the groups that had not been conquered, Alexander the Great took a small army to the strong fortified gates of this empire. And he knocked on the door himself and he asked to see the king with his army behind him. And he said, y'all surrender or we're going to seize and take your property and take your empire. And of course... That empire was way larger than Alexander and his army. And so they laughed in his face. He said, what makes you think we're just going to surrender? To to the left of the gates was was a cliff. And he ordered his men. He said, y'all start marching. And his army started marching off the cliff one by one to their death. No excuses. No, uh, but uh, is this really what you want me to do? No, 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 no. As soon as he told them to start marching, they started marching. One by one, they marched right off the cliff to their death. After about ten soldiers had walked off the cliff, Alexander the Great, he said, Hold, that's enough. It was after that the king surrendered their army. And that's how Alexander the Great conquered the Asian Empire. Because the king said, if he has an army that would give up their life at his one command, what in the world could an entire army do to us? And they turned their... In. And I've often thought about that. I'm like, man, why is Satan after our men? And I just can't help to think. He, 
perhaps he knows we're not going to put up much of a fight, man. And us guys, we're not. We're allowing so many things just to, uh, man, just to come in, stealing our kids, stealing our families right up from under us. And we are not putting up much of a fight. There's the character that he lives. But secondly, I want you to see the care that he lends. It's in verse 2. It says, you'll eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Now, this text is talking about a dad working and providing for his family. Someone said that all children go through four stages in their communication with their fathers. First, they call him dada. Then they call him daddy. Next, they call him dad. Then eventually, they call him collect. Amen? <laughs> Women and children, listen to me. If you're blessed with a husband and a father who sticks around... And provides for the family. Thank him on a regular basis. Thank him on a regular basis. First Timothy 5, 8, it says, If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Fathers, we have a responsibility. We have a mandate from God to take care of our families. To protect them and provide for them. Church, listen to me. There, there's going to be a day where I'm not going to be preaching. There's going to be a day you're not going to be working in whatever area of line or line of work you're in. There, there's going to be a day when you can't do that. There's going to be a day when I'm not in ministry. But, but, but there'll never be a day that I'm not, as long as I live, that I won't be the father of my children. That I won't be the husband to my wife. And, and, and just make sure... Just make sure that you're not allowing your attention to, to uh, your priorities to uh, overshadow the things that will last forever. There's the character that he lives. There's the care that he lends. Number three is this. There's the companion that he loves. Verse, part of verse three, it says, Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. I'm convinced that the greatest thing that I can do for my three girls is to love my wife. To let them see me love their mother. It's interesting to me to, to learn that most daughters, you do the studies, most daughters actually marry men very similar, just like their dads. Perhaps that explains why mothers cry at weddings. Amen. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But fathers, listen to me. You say, man, I want, my, I want my little girl. I want her to find a good man. A man that's going to love her. That's going to protect her. That's going to be passionate with her. That, that, that's going to help her. Hey, if, if that's what you want, make sure they see you doing the same thing. Because I'm telling you, however you treat your wife, that's what they're going to think is okay, is normal. One of the greatest leadership principles I've ever learned is monkey see, monkey do. 80% of wives say that things would be better around the house if their husband would just be more of a leader. Now let me make this injection. Uh, ladies, listen to me. He can't lead if you don't let him. He can't lead 
if you don't allow him to. Now, men, let me say this to you. She can't follow a, car, a parked car, right? If, if, if you want her to go somewhere, you got to take her somewhere. Amen? She can't follow a, a parked car. So if, if, if you want her to follow your leadership, you got to be a leader. you got to lead. If you want her to follow, you have to lead her somewhere. Same thing with your children. So there's the companion that he loves, but there's also the children that he lends or leads, the children that he leads. It's in, it's in the latter, verse, uh, latter part of verse 3. It says, your children will be like olive shoots around your table. As I was researching this message, I found out that in order for olive plants to survive, they've got to be cultivated. It's so neat how things in the Bible just make sense. If you study them, you, you go over them. Uh, olive plants have to be cultivated for them to survive. Church, our, our children need to be cultivated by their parents. And especially by us as fathers. You say, how do I do that? Let me give you five ways to cultivate your children. Number one, spend time with them. Spend time with them. You say, well, what, what, what does that look like? At least better than the national average, which is 48 seconds a day. That's the national average for a father to spend with their children. You say, well, I'm home all the time. Uh, that don't mean anything. I, I, m- many times t- today, uh, th- there, there used to be a lot of complaints about the fathers working off. But, but now, it's the fathers that are either home every day d- don't spend any time with their children. Because they leave for work. Their, their children had not even got up yet. By the time they get home that night, they're home every day, but they don't see them. The kids are asleep. Usually when they are home, the kids are at school or at practice or something else. And so there's no, there's no communication. There's, no, there, 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 there's nothing. About 48 seconds a day, the national average that a father spends with their children. Spend time. Spend time with your kids. Don't, don't, don't get like, hey, in all your endeavors and in all your accomplishment and all your hobbies, don't be like Billy Sunday. He said this. He said, I've come to the end of my life and I have one regret. I've won the world to Christ, but I've lost my family. I've won the world to Christ, but I've lost my family. Spend time with your children. Secondly, give your children spiritual training. Now, most of this is usually left up to the mother. But God intended it to be the opposite. There's a complete different dynamic in the home when it's the father who prays for the children. When it's the father that says, no, 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 you're going to church no matter what. There's just something different when it's the father making the demands and saying, no, 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 let me make the decision for you. You're going to be at church camp instead of this. You're going to be at church instead of that. I, 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 know, I, I know the coach says you, 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 you may get disciplined or you may get whatever or it may not work out if you miss this one practice, but I, you're going to church. One of the easiest things that I've learned that, uh, that helps Put an importance 
on church and spiritual things is just to make a big deal out of it. Just to make a big deal out of it. We, we make a big deal out of everything else, right? Oh, Johnny hits a home run. What do we do? We make sure we put it on Facebook for everybody to see. Amen? If uh, so-and-so uh, racks up at, at awards day, oh, yeah, we're going to post that bad boy. <laughs> we let everybody know what happened, right? What they've been awarded with and what they've re- And there's nothing wrong with that. But my goodness, do the same thing when they do something spiritually. Hey, I, man, I, I, learned, I learned this the hard way. Years ago, God con- convicted me in a, in a great way. Man, we had, we had just uh, saved a lot of money to try to get all the girls brand new bats. I wanted them to have the top bat just like all the other girls did. And I, and I did. We just we, we, we bought them brand new bats. And it was a few weeks after that, we were in Lifeway bookstore. This was before they closed the, the Lifeway stores down. You can't, you can't find any open anymore. It's all online. But they, ha- they still had the one in Hayesburg. And so we were, we were in there. And um, we were shopping for Bibles and books. You know, we were just looking around. And so they started coming to Brandy and I, showing us these Bibles. And as soon as they brought it to me, first thing I did, I, I turned that thing over. Ooh, $89. Hey, baby, they, go, go look in the kids section. <laughs> Go, hey, they got these little teen Bibles. Uh, you know, I mean, I, it don't have to be flashy with all that bling bling. Get, get, look, look at this one. It's a little plainer. Uh, let's, let's look. And man, I, we just kept sending them back. And, and, I, and man, this conviction came over me. And it was just like the Lord just whipped my tail, man. And he's like, Jamie. So you just spent several hundred dollars on a daggum bat. And, and you worried about a 70 or $80 Bible? And I brought them all, you, you, I brought them all together. I said, girls, you go get whatever Bible you want. You get whatever you want. I don't care how much it is. You go get whatever Bible you want. Church, I'm just telling you. Listen to me. If you think about it, we place so much emphasis on everything else. Man, do the same when it comes to God. Hey, when that, that little baby comes in and quotes a scripture, man, you throw a party for her. When they come in and they tell you about saying something or, or, or talking to Jesus about a friend, man, you throw a party about that. Because those are the things that count. Those are the things that are important. Those are the things that will last. The children that he leads. Spend time with them. Give your children spiritual training. Discipline your children. That's the third one on how to cultivate your children. Discipline them. Recent poll revealed that 90% of graduating high school seniors wish their parents and teachers had loved them enough to discipline. See, I'm convinced that our children want rules. But listen to me. They want them with relationships. They want them with relationships. You say, well, man, my kid, they're just so rebellious. They're just rebellion, rebelling against all my rules and instruction. No, no, listen to me. Kids don't rebel against rules. They don't rebel against commands. They rebel against relationships. 
See, they rebel against the person giving them the instructions. And so if the instruction is not being done in love and care and it's not being backed up, so I, I mean, don't, don't, don't tell your kids to do something that you're not willing to do. Discipline them. If rules are given outside of relationship, that's what leads to rebellion. Hebrews 12.8, it says, If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Now, I know there's all kinds of, of discipline out there. I mean, maybe they're writing books these days on how to discipline and what to do. And there's all kinds of methods and models. Uh, I like to tell everybody, my dad was a very patriotic man. He believed in the stars and the stripes. Amen? He'd put on the stripes and I'd see the stars. And, and now, now, personally, Brandy and I, we've come to the conclusion we don't spank. We, we've, we've thrown all that out. There's no more spanking in our household. We've started using tasers. And I'd encourage you to start doing this. It, uh, it doesn't leave a mark. They don't remember anything. I mean, it's awesome. No, I'm just kidding. But, but listen to me. You say, well, I just don't discipline. I, I'm just not into that. Listen, if you say you're, you're not going to discipline your children, what you're saying is that your way is better than God's way. Because God says everyone should undergo discipline. Even God disciplines his children. Number four, teach them work ethics. Teach them work ethics. My goodness, our children need to know how to work, man. They need to know that everything's not going to be given to them. It's not going to be easy. Man, I, I speak to adults sometimes, man, and, and they look back on their life and, and they'll tell me, man, the best vehicle I ever had was on my 16th birthday. And I'm like, how sad is that? The best stuff they ever had in their life was things that we've given to them. And so they, there was never a bar for them to reach and something to strive for because we always gave them the best. Man, I, I, I just don't know if that's wise. Because we set the bar so high that they can't ever achieve it when they're out on their own. Give them something to work for. Give them something to strive. Hey, it's okay if they don't get everything they want. Give them something to long for. Give them something to work for. Man, because I'm telling you, this life is not easy, man. It's a battleground out there. And they need to know how to work. Teach them work ethics. Number five, teach them respect. Good Lord, we need that in our nation. Most young people struggle with authority. The ones that struggle are the ones that have no authority at, in the house. They have no authority. And they've never had it as a child. And so, therefore, they, they struggle. I mean, you see this in everywhere. You've got people, they struggle with law enforcement. You've got people that even struggle with godly leadership in a church because they've never had anybody tell them what to do. They've, they've never had any authority in their life. And, and, and that ultimately stems from a good godly father. Man, I, I'll tell you one thing that is desperately missing in the modern church. 
And it's this sense of awe and respect and reverence to the Lord. I mean, it's just, there's just, there's just nothing. We, we, we have no, no awe when it comes to the presence of God anymore. I, I, one of the things I like doing, you can call it a hobby, whatever. I, some people like to kill deer and put it on their wall. I, I, I like to meet people. I like to meet different. I, I just like, I just like the whole dynamics of of meeting certain people on different levels. And, and and one of the things that's always interesting to me is that when you go into a room of a very highly regarded person, a very famous person, it's just always interesting to me the the awe that people have to that person. I, I mean, man, they'll start studying. Start, uh, they can't even remember their name. Meeting this person. I mean, they, they make sure they're dressed to a T. They make sure that they're on their P's and Q's. They make sure they say all the right things. They rehearse the conversation that they're going to have with the person. I mean, man, it's just crazy. And I'm like, my goodness, whoever you meet, whoever you get in the room with, it, they're not Jesus. And how can we be in such awe of people and, and just be so bored with God? Man, what gives? Man, I'm telling you, there needs to be a, a awe and a respect and a reverence when it comes to the things of God. Number five, my fifth point. It's the contribution that he leaves. The contribution that he leaves. It's in verses four and six. It says, yes. This will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. Isn't it encouraging to know that we have an opportunity to make a spiritual impact on our children and our grandchildren? Man, never take that for granted, man. That, that, that you have an opportunity as a dad to make a f- phenomenal impact on that child. And here's what I've learned. Here, here, because there's been a lot of opportunities that have come my way. You call it favor of God as, as he does with all of us, whatever. But there's been, I've had a lot of opportunities in my life. And here's what I've, here's what I've realized. It almost happens every time. Every time I get a call to go do this, every time somebody opens up and says, hey, I got something that I'd like to invite you to. I mean, just about 100% of the time, when an opportunity arises, it's always in the most inopportune time. It is. It is. I mean, it's always at the wrong time. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to adjust some things. And, and, I, and, and I usually do because I've learned to take advantage of opportunities because they only come and go very, they, they come and go very quickly. And many opportunities you never get again. And so I've learned to take them. And I've learned that, man, it's always going to be an inopportune time because I hear so many things. Man, there's so many things, man. You, you, you ask somebody to help. You ask somebody to do this. And every, we've always got an excuse. There's always something else on the calendar. There's always something else on the schedule. Listen to me. 
Listen to me. Every opportunity, many times that you have to glorify God, to do something for the glory of God, most of the time, it's not going to be in your schedule. It's not going to be on your time frame. But I promise you, if you adjust some things for the glory of God, I promise you, it'll be worth whatever you had to, to say no to. Socrates, he said this. Could I climb if I could climb the highest place in Athens? I would lift my voice and I would proclaim these words. Fellow citizens, why do you turn and scrape every stone to gather wealth and take so little care of your children to whom one day you're going to relinquish it all? Isn't it amazing? What we acquire, what we do, how high we try to climb... And all the while, we're just going to leave it behind one day. How about make sure they know how to handle it when you leave it to them? How about make sure they know what they're doing when your time is up? Guys, what, what good will it do us to raise our children in the finest home? To give them the finest education. To see to it that they have the finest job. To see to it that they marry the finest person. To help them have the finest career. To help them reach the finest position in life. To bury them in the finest casket. To give them the finest funeral. To lay them in the finest grave. Only for them to stand in eternity and watch them rise in judgment. To meet a God that they never knew. In 1988, in 1988, the Olympics had a relay team that was the most athletic, fastest group of men in the history of the sport. They had several guys just on that one team that had individual world records. It was the best group of men. Nobody in the world had a chance they, they, they didn't even give anybody a chance to beat this team. It, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that America was going to win easily this relay race made up of these group of men. And the race began and they were ahead the entire, almost the entire race. Way ahead. I'm talking about uh, 10 to 15 meters ahead. I mean, it wasn't even close until the exchange of the last baton. And you know what happened? The guy dropped the baton. And they lost. They were the fastest. They were the most athletic ever. The best team did not win that day. Not because they didn't have all the skills. Not because they weren't the best. Not because they weren't the most athletic. But because they dropped something (laughs) that was key to winning the race. Guys, listen to me. In all your endeavors. In all your journeys. 
in all your passions and desires to chase after your hobbies. Listen to me, I have them. I have them, I'm, I'm preaching to myself, listen to me. In, in, in all of that, in all of that, make sure, make sure you don't drop the baton. Make sure you're, you're not letting go of the things that are most important in your life and in the lives of your kids and your spouse. Make sure you're not dropping the baton. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and thank you for this time together. And Lord, you know where we're at. You know every heart, you know every mind. My, uh, my intent this morning is, my heart is, is, is upon our guys. It's upon our men. And Lord, as, as a pastor and as a leader, I want to be better. And, and as a church full of, of, of men... I want us to be better of good godly men. Some of my closest friends, Lord, are are here today. I just want us to be better. And whatever that looks like. Help us, Lord. With every head bowed. And eyes closed. No one looking but myself. Say, Pastor, I'm, I'm here. And I don't know Jesus. I'm not saved, but I want to be today. I don't want to walk out of here. Unless I'm right with God. Pastor, that's me. Would you pray for me? I wonder if I could just see your hand. You just slip it up so that I can see it. You say, today I want to give my life to Jesus. Just slip it up so that I can see it. Okay, I I want us all to stand. There's a poem. There's a poem that says this. Walk a little slower, Daddy, said a child so small. I'm following in your footsteps, and I don't want to fall. Sometimes your steps are very fast. Sometimes they're hard to see. So walk a little slower, Daddy, for you are leading me. Someday when I'm all grown up, You're what I want to be. Then I'll have a little child who'll want to follow me. And I would want to lead them just right and know that I was true. So walk a little slower, Daddy, for I must follow you. Guys, if you're like me, maybe you just need a reminder today. To slow down. Slow down. Make sure you don't get so far ahead 
that your kids aren't able to follow. Make sure you haven't climbed so high that your kids can't keep up. Make sure you just slow down a little. As we sing, man, I'd encourage you to seek the Lord. Whatever business you want to handle with God, you do that as we sing. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you've made Jesus Christ your Savior, or maybe you'd just like some prayer, or just some more information about our church, do us a favor and email us at the address at the bottom of your screen, or you can just reach out to us through the comment section of whatever platform you're viewing on. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and we hope to see you next week.